We're going to talk today about the topic that relates to Valentine's Day. Maybe uh, we're going to talk about love, but more importantly maybe, we're going to talk about this in a way that relates to our individual development, that each of us is on a path of, of maturing and developing as we continue to walk with Jesus. We're going to talk about how love ties into that. And today I want us to focus on the idea of each of us becoming better at loving those around us. See, some of you are married and that affects you because you're married. Some of you are not married, but you've still got people around you. If you live in isolation, that's not God's plan. So we all have people around us that we're supposed to love. And obviously when we think of love, that generally starts with thinking about our spouses, but it extends to whomever uh, we come in contact with. And the way I want to talk about this topic today is I want to talk about this and share with you some of the things that I have been learning as I have been trying now for about 23 years, about 25 years that we've been together, trying to figure out how do I love Suzanne as Christ loved the church. And I want to tell you, she's one of the easiest people in the world to love. I'm just being honest. She's one of the easiest people on the planet to love, and I at times am probably one of the hardest. And uh, she has, I have dragged her around the globe. You know, how many of you wives, your husband would say, I think we ought to move to Cambodia. And you'd say, okay, you know. And then she tells you years later, the only reason I went, and not, it was not with a sense of, of um, revenge or meanness, said, I went because I felt the Lord told me you needed to go there. And I said, well, you did that for me. And she said, I'd die for you. You know, that's, that's, that's the kind of relationships we can have in the kingdom of God. So as I've been trying to figure out for years. I felt like the Lord put me on a quest a number of years ago. Mark, you figure out how to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And I've learned a few things along the way, and I'll admit this, I've got a long ways to go. But I think I'm better today than I was years ago when I felt God really challenged me to learn how to love. And what I've learned in this marriage isn't just for marriage, it's to apply to every relationship in my life. And so I want to share some of the things that God has been showing me as I'm trying to learn to live in love towards my wife. But I want you to understand the things that we're going to talk about today apply to all Christians, to men and to women to married and to single. Some of you who are single say, well, doesn't that apply to me? Some of you who are divorced say, well, I don't have a spouse. But I'll tell you something. You live with people in your house probably. You work closely with people. We're all in relationships with other people. And these concepts that I want to talk about, although I'm going to relate them to marriage, really apply to all of us. Because all of us, my friends, are called by God to get better at loving people. Every one of us has a challenge from God, and we're going to look at today. We are challenged by God to get better at loving the people around us. So I may use context of marriage, but all of us are called to get better at loving people around. So let me share with you this morning some principles. As a matter of fact, I'm going to talk about three of them today that I have been trying to learn. I've been, I feel the Lord has revealed them to me, and I'm trying to get better at them, that I've been trying to learn as I'm trying to figure out how to love better, and in particular love my wife as Christ loved the church. The first thing is this that every one of us as Christians are called by God, given the job, to mature in love. And to mature or to grow in our ability to love those around us. And in marriage, a spouse's primary avenue through which you learn to mature in love is the marriage relationship. In the book of 1 John, the 4th chapter, 17th verse, it says this, if you don't believe me that we're called to mature in love. It says, as we live in God, and that means as we live in a relationship with God, 
It says, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment when we stand before Christ. But we can face Him, Jesus, with confidence because we are like Christ here in this world. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. In other words, it matures. John tells us that as we live in God, our love becomes um, more mature. It's supposed to at least. In fact, it says that as that happens, that as our love matures, that that will cause us to look like Jesus in the world. That when people see us loving more, they will see more of the reality of Christ in us, which will convince them that He is real. And so as we grow in love, we reveal Christ to the Lord. As we mature in Christ-likeness, we mature in love. That's what that text is really saying. So love is, love is a, of a, a revealer of our maturity and our becoming more like Jesus. So would you agree with me that maturing in love should be a mission of every child of God? If that's the way we reveal Christ to the world, would you agree with me that every one of us then should desire to get better at loving? But I bet you you probably didn't get up this morning thinking of Valentine's Day tomorrow and say, one of my jobs as a child of God is to love better or more so that people will see Jesus in me. Sometimes we think, hey, love is for youth. I'm here to tell you that as we walk with Jesus... He wants us to learn to love better. And the question then that full flows if I'm supposed to mature in my ability to love is how do we mature in love? Well, in the context of, of what will happen to most of us, most of us choose to get married at some point in our life. And I believe the primary avenue that God uses to help us to mature in love is our marriage relationship. And I want to explain to you what I mean. Who thinks that men and women are very different? Okay? Okay? Who thinks that God knows that men and women are very different? You think we're not pulling one over on God? We're not, God didn't wake up one day and go, I can't believe, whoa, I can't believe that I put Adam and Eve together. They just don't think the same. You think God understood that in advance? He did understand that. And in marriage, which is God's idea? Understand that in our culture today, friends. Marriage is not some, some thing that's, that's morphed over time and somehow just culture has said it's right and there's a point in time where it's not right anymore or it's not acceptable anymore. God's the one who came up with the idea of marriage. It's His idea. So in marriage, which is God's idea, what God said what He was going to do is He was going to join together two completely different people, bond them in the closest union any two people could ever have, and then tell them to love each other. Matter of fact, he goes so far as to say, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Died for He says, you're, I'm going to take these different people and I'm going to pull them together. And tell them now, learn to love each other even though I know you're completely different. Friends, understand something. God doesn't do things by chance. That was God's idea and God does that on purpose. Now hear me today. He could have paired off men with men and women with women. He could have done that in the scheme of things when he created the world. He could have done that. And then the men would sit around and they'd watch football and they'd eat junk food. And the ladies, would, would, they would go shopping and eat chocolate. Right? Now I know that's not 100%, it's a generalization, but those things, there probably wouldn't be that conflict over, over whether we should watch um, ice skating or Monster Bucks. 
I mean, I'm sure, who wants to watch ice skating? You know, that, that argument wouldn't happen over the remote. But understand something, from the beginning of time, when God said, I'm going to create marriage, it wasn't God's plan. And so people who say, well, it just it's natural. No, it's not. God had a plan. He took a man and a woman and put them together. And he did it for, for many reasons. But one of the reasons is he takes a man and a woman who are completely different and he brings them together so that they can have an opportunity to be perfected in love. That as they go on together in time and they face their differences, they can learn how to love each other even though they're completely different from one another. Now you've got to understand something about love today. Because some of you, especially if you're a teenager, you think love is this great cuddly feeling. Understand, feelings go up and down. That's not love. Feeling in love is not love because sometimes you don't feel in love and you, can st- you still need to love. But understand this fact about love. You won't mature in love, and that's our goal, remember? You won't mature in love until you have to love someone who is, ha- who is hard to love. You won't grow in your ability to love and then in essence, or it says in that text we looked at in 1 John, then reveal Jesus as, you're, as you love more. You won't mature in your ability to love until you learn how to love someone who is hard to love. Now here's a news flash for you. Sometimes it's hard to love your spouse. Sometimes, I don't, don't amens right now, okay? <laughs> I don't want counseling after church. Let me say it. Sometimes it is hard to love your spouse. She really is from Venus and he really is from Mars. There's a book that tried to describe the difference a few years ago like that. We just see life differently, don't we? Of course, on April 15th when you turn in your tax return and you get your refund back, it absolutely makes more sense to buy a new hunting rifle or golf clubs than a bedroom set. No one cares about what you can't see in the dark, right guys? It does not matter what your bedroom set looks like. Am I right? See? I'm from Mars. She's from Venus. Suzanne thinks it's important what your bedroom looks like. I don't get it. The lights are off. You only go in there to sleep. Your eyes are closed. Friends, being a man or a woman of God is all about learning how to love someone who can drive you crazy at times. Who looks at life completely differently. And at times that can be and will be your mate. It will happen. And understand this. This is going to set some of you free who just wrestle with that, con- with that, with that distance that happens. That's God's plan. God knew it from the beginning. For you to be perfected in love, he gave you the marriage, two completely dissimilar people. He brought you together so that you would have many opportunities to love when it's not easy. It's called marriage. That's why he did it. Now, my best friend in the whole planet is Suzanne. I, we went out the other night for dinner, and we went out to a movie. The boys were gone. I said it was like being on a cruise. Our boys were at a, at a retreat in, in the Dells, and it was like, whoo, this is great. We had like... 24 hours almost, or it was like 18 hours. It seemed like a year we had together. No, I love you, Josh. It was just wonderful being alone. (laughs) But you know what? It was great. No conflict, no nothing. But sometimes, often, 
You spend enough time together, there's going to be something you're going to disagree on. That's called marriage. You know why it's so important for you to understand today? So that you don't freak out or get angry when you are faced with the fact that you and your spouse are different. You are different by the design of God. Wives, your husband's not supposed to be like you. Husbands, your wife's not supposed to be like you. We're different by design. God made it that way so that you would have the opportunity to mature in love. Because you know the thing about marriage? You can't just get mad and say, I'm done. Matter of fact, our culture does that. and It doesn't help at all, does it? Because you don't mature in love. You just take your problems to another place, another relationship. God gave us an opportunity. He says, you're going to one man, one woman, forever connected. Why? So that when you want to kill the person, you're committed to saying, I've got to figure this thing out and figure out how to love this person instead. How to forgive when I don't feel like forgiving. Am I, is this real life? Yeah, it is. God's a real life kind of God. And he brings us together and gives us this wonderful thing called marriage that I could not imagine a day of my life without my spouse. But you know what? He gives us great opportunity to learn to grow in love. It's not wrong to be different. Understand that? Husbands, wives, it's because they don't look at it exactly the same. It doesn't mean they're wrong. We're different by design. So that I have an opportunity, maybe tomorrow, to go... Don't react. Don't react. Don't react. Don't say anything. Shh. Mark, shut your mouth. Don't say anything. You don't have those conversations. I do. Just, just, shh. Put your tongue. Smile. I love you. Okay? You don't go through that, right? I'm learning how to mature in love. I'm not there yet. But I don't think I'll be there ever. But I think I'm better than I was five years ago, and I think I'm better than I was ten years ago. That's the first thing the Lord's been showing me in this, in this how to live out love, how to, how to, how to develop and mature in love, is, is that, you know what, God, God gave me this great opportunity to grow. It's called marriage. It's called, it's called close relationships if you're not married. Let's look at the second priority, the second, the second thing I'm learning. The second thing is this. And some of you, when I say this, you're going to say, well, of course that's true, but I'm going to tell you, because I know people, some of you have married 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and you haven't learned this next point yet. And it causes conflict. It does not help you to mature in love. And I'm telling you, God wants us to get this one. And it's this. It's going to sound simple, but it's not so simple. It's this, number two. The priorities of life need to change when a person gets married. The priorities of life, and I'm going to explain that, needs to change when a person gets married. Grab your Bible. Turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul is responding to some questions that the Corinthian church had written to him about marriage. They've asked him some questions. In 1 Corinthians 7, he's responding back to them, and he's saying, well, here's the answers to the questions. Now, we don't, have the, we don't have the original questions, but we can figure out by reading what he's responded, what the questions were. He's asking them questions about marriage. Primarily, is it all right for a person to get married? Remember, they lived under the reality that Jesus was going to return. A reality that we ought to live under a whole lot more than we do, but it's harder for us because it's been 2,000 years since Christ said, I'll come back quickly. And we start saying, well, maybe not now, but they were under the idea quickly meant tomorrow. And to, quickly, I hope, means today. I hope Jesus comes back today. But if he doesn't, we've got to learn how to live in love during this time. 
And so they're asking him questions about marriage. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, let's look at verses 32 to 34, where he's responding to one of their questions. And it says this, 32. But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife or husband, spouse. And his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Listen to what this says here, what this is really saying. He says that the one who marries will have a different life in relationship to the Lord and ministry than the one who chooses to stay single. He says, if you marry, you're going to have divided interests. You will love the Lord and you will love your spouse. You're going to have divided interests. That the one who chooses to get married, and remember, it's a choice. Not all of us have to get married. Matter of fact, he's really championing, championing, how do you say that? Being a champion of <laughs> a single life here. And elsewhere in scripture, he goes on to say, if you've been given the gift of singleness and you can live without being married, he said it's better to marry than to burn with, with desire. So he says, but if you've been given this gift to be single, be single. And here he's saying, you know what? If you can be single for the Lord, and that's something he's called you to, do it. Because you can live with, for the Lord without encumbrance. But he says, listen, if you get married, you will have a different life in relationship to the Lord and ministry than the person who stays single. Because the married person has divided interests. Interest in serving God and pleasing God. Interest in serving and pleasing their spouse. A married person no longer lives for their own plans. The married person doesn't live for their plans alone anymore. They now live to love their spouse. That becomes the, the, the motivation of their life. It's not me anymore, it's us in everything. And one of the ways the Lord spoke to me about this topic when he was really dealing with me on it, and I'm going to use a coin a term here, and I think maybe I've used this before at times, but hear what I'm saying. When it's not me anymore, it's us. Is that a married person can no longer live what I'm going to call is Paulish, like the Apostle Paul. A married person can no longer um, re- live Paulish, for they have not rena- remained as Paul who is single. And he goes on to say that remain as me, unmarried. But we at times want to live Paulish when we're married. See, you know what Paul was like? Paulishness? He just did his own thing. I believe directed by the Holy Spirit. But he did his own thing whenever he wanted. Paul had wanderlust. He just wanted to go here, go there, go to the next place. God inspired him to do that, but Paul, Paul just wanted to go around. He went wherever he felt best, led by the Spirit. Go on a missionary journey? Sure. Come on, Barnabas, let's go. Go back and visit the churches? Let's do that. Come on, let's, let's go. Second missionary journey? Come on, Silas, I'll take you this time. Let's go on a missionary journey. Let's go to all these places. We'll get shipwrecked in the middle. We'll have all these problems. I'll get beaten. I'll be thrown in jail. They'll stone me one time. Toss me out of the city. God will resurrect me. All these things are going to happen in my life. Because I got wanderlust and I just want to travel around. He could do whatever he felt led to do because he was unmarried. He had undivided interests. But the reality is, church, 
most of us end up getting married. And we must understand that our priorities are to change when we get married. We can't live like Paul anymore. Now that we're married. Loving your spouse comes right after loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because your spouse is your closest neighbor. Say, what's that have to do with it? They asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And he said, Lord, he said, all the prophets in the law can be summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you know who your closest neighbor is? Your spouse. The one you said I do to when you stood with a preacher on a platform and all your family and friends stood there and you said, from this day forward, I will walk with this person. That person just became the closest neighbor in your life. You may lose locations, but they're going to go with you. And from this day forward, your spouse is your closest neighbor. Friend, this realization will affect every decision you make. You'll begin to ask yourself when you realize this, how will this decision bless my spouse? You'll need to ask that about everything you do. And sometimes we're not good at that. Sometimes we think it's a competition. Well, my spouse wants that, and I want this, and it's a fight, and it's a competition. How can I get what I want around my spouse? God says, "Uh uh-uh. He says, when you got married, you, you made a decision. You now have divided interests. If you wanted to just do whatever you wanted, stay single. If you just say, my whole life is about doing this activity, that sport, this interest, um, all these things that I just like to do, then stay single, be like Paul, and be unencumbered, do whatever you want. But the day you choose to take a spouse, he says in 1 Corinthians 7, you have divided interests now. Your interests are divided between pleasing your spouse and pleasing the Lord. And now every decision you ask is, how will this bless my spouse? Or, if I do this, how will this hurt my spouse? And there's a lot of hurt that goes on because we don't ever think about that and ask those questions. We no longer just ask, what's in it for me? That's what Paul was able to do. What's in it for me? Where do I want to go? They said, Paul, you can't go to Jerusalem. Everybody went. They said, there's prophets. That would t- one tied himself up and said, whoever goes to Jerusalem, if you do this, they're going to bind you and they're gonna, they're gonna, you're going to be put in prison. He says, I don't care. God wants me to go there. He could do whatever he wanted because he, he was unencumbered. But when we take a spouse... We're encumbered. We have divided interests. We make that choice. And let's be honest, church. Many Christian people, I've watched it, have neglected their spouse and their families as they have pursued their own interests and said, well, that's what I want to do. I just want to do it my way. I was that way and I got married. Guess what? That's the oldest one in the book. Well, you know who I was when I got married. Baloney. That's a spiritual word. Baloney. (laughs) The Apostle Paul, who are you going to listen to? Your spouse or yourself, that voice in you, or God's word? God's word said the day you said I do, you have divided interests. Baloney that you can just say, oh, I've always been that way. It's time for you to change. Marriage is about changing. Growing in love is about changing. God takes dissimilar people and he puts you together. So you can learn to change and grow. You shouldn't have the same interests and participation in things that you did before you were married. Softball may have to go from four nights a week to one or none at certain times. I've seen many Christians that have neglected their spouses and their families as they have pursued their own interests. And I've seen this so often in the church world. I've seen this next part so often in the, in the professional pastor world 
They can neglect their families and their spouses and they say, it's God's will for my life. Oh, God's called me into this ministry. This ministry is calling me away. I remember a man in this district who was involved with our, with our boys' ministry, Royal Rangers. When he gave himself to that thing, he was gone literally every single weekend. And after about 10 years, his wife finally said, hit the road, Jack. What nothing to do with you? You love that ministry more than you love me? Get out of here. Now, I'm not telling you she was right. But he said, but God called me to it. Well, God doesn't call you to something that destroys your family. He doesn't. Often we don't consider in the equation what our spouse really needs and desires. Sometimes we just look and find fulfillment and enjoyment ourselves and we say, well, that's the way I was when you married me. I'm telling you that's not God's plan. And I'm going to tell you this, you won't find fulfillment living like that. You won't find true happiness because there is no greater true joy in the world than living your life together with, the, with your God partner and fulfilling what God has called you together. It's the greatest blessing I've ever experienced. But it takes laying down some of the things that I say, but I always did that. I don't get that right anymore. You see, for some of us, for some of you maybe in this room, your Bible hero is the Apostle Paul. Abandon it all for the sake of the call. Just do your own thing. Go wherever. Guess what? You can only live like Paul if you have remained like Paul, undivided, unmarried. Otherwise, if a man chooses to marry, 1 Corinthians 7, he says, you choose to marry. If you choose to marry, you must now always ask, how is what I want to do loving my neighbor, my spouse, as Christ loved the church? How is it doing that? You ask that question. Understand this church. It honors God and blesses you to love your spouse and then together walk out the pursuits and ministries that he leads you jointly into. It's the greatest fulfillment on the planet. It's God's plan when you get married. Is to, is to become this new, wonderful thing that's better than the individual parts. And jointly, it doesn't mean you do everything together, but it means you become one in everything. So that's the second thing God's been showing me. Mark had to give up a few things. Suzanne had to give up a few things. No real sacrifice because I gained something more. Because I've got to say now, you know, Suzanne agreed to go to Cambodia. You know why? My hero always has been Paul. And I've always had wanderlust. I've always said, I want to see the next mountain. And God said, okay, go see the next mountain. I saw the next mountain. I said, okay, I've seen, I've seen it all. Now I can go back to doing what he wants me to do. And ended up here. Third thing that I've been learning is I'm learning to love my wife as Christ loved the church. What I've been learning about growing in love is this. Men and women, you both need to hear this, but men especially, I think. I don't know, maybe our world's changing enough that we all just need to hear it equally. No accomplishment, no achieved goal, no amount of money, no ministry or accolade means anything if you are not living out love along the way. You're in 1 Corinthians, turn over to chapter 13. Verses that we read at weddings pretty often. But I want you to maybe hear them differently for the first time. Listen to what it says in the first three verses. It says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Is that a compliment? No. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. You know what I've learned about being a Wisconsinite? I've been born and raised in Ozaki County, lived around different places, come back here to Ozaki County. You know what I've learned? We work really hard to achieve our goals, and that's a good thing. We're hardworking people. You know what drove me the most crazy? I lived in Louisiana for a while. You know what drove me crazy in Louisiana? Everybody was fixing to do something. Anybody ever been in Louisiana? They'll say this, I'm fixing to do it. They never did it. They always fix- I got so angry, I'm like, I wanted to punch people. I was, I was going to college and I was also working for a company that I had to do outside sales for. And they're always fixing to get something done, fixing to get the contract signed, but they never got it signed. You know, I finally pulled my hair out of my head and I said, I can't take this anymore. But you know what, around here we set goals and we work really hard to accomplish them. But understand something, friends. No goal has real value if it is accomplished by someone without love. Now understand, this takes, this takes surrender to God and the complete involvement of the Holy Spirit in our lives because I can't work this stuff up any of these points. That was my struggle today. I thought, Lord, it's going to come across as there's a the sense of getting spanked and it's not at all that way. It's a sense of God's in this thing and He wants to help us to grow and develop. And He says there's no goal that has real value if it is accomplished by someone without love. Look at the examples He gives in 1 Corinthians 13. It's just amazing. He says no ministry... Accomplishment means anything without love. He says, no gifts that you give, no sacrifice that you make. But pastor, I gave away 50% of my income to starving children in Cambodia. He said it means nothing if it's done apart from love. He says, all the great wisdom and faith that you can express have all the wisdom in the world. Faith, he says, to move to a, move a mountain. Speak to that mountain and say, be moved from here to there. Great signs and wonders means nothing if love is not at its heart. Friends, you know what? You can work 80 hours a week. You can work all that time to give your family all the greatest stuff that money can buy. But it means absolutely nothing if you haven't loved them along the way. You can give up everything, it says here, to do Christian service. Give your body to be burned. Give up, give everything in Christian service. But if you don't love people, he says it really matters nothing. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says to let love be your highest goal. Love be your highest goal. Not achievement, not money, not pleasure, not recreation. Let love be your highest goal. Friends, this Christian life is all about love. It's about maturing in love. So we model Jesus to a lost and dying world. And that, my friends, starts with our spouses or those who are closest to us. Let me end this morning by reading the Apostle Paul's description of what living out love looks like. And as I read this from 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4, ask yourself, does that describe me? Now understand this. It's... As I read this every time, I go, that's not describing me. But the thing is, am I getting better as I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to change me and develop me? Ask yourself, is this how you're loving your spouse? Starting in verse 4. One thing I like to do is I usually put my name in there. 
you put your own name there. Instead of love, say Mark. Mark is patient. Is that true? Love is patient. Love is kind. And is not jealous. Does not, love, does not brag. Is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. When I look at that, I say, am I living that out? Am I being irritable? It says it really shouldn't be that way. Am I keeping a record of the wrongs? As I was reading through that this week, I was reminded. I thought, when Jesus thinks of Mark, the bride, he doesn't keep a record of the wrongs I've done. And I thought, do I do the same thing with my wife and kids? Do I keep tally marks until I finally fill up the whole row and then I explode? Do I do that? Have I given up on love? It says it never gives up. It endures all things. It never gives up. Do you have you given up on loving your spouse? Love says don't give up. Have I been selfish? Friends, there is room for all of us to grow in love. And Scripture says, we said in 1 John 4, that as we grow in love, we reveal Jesus to the world. And we said as a group, that made sense. That, was a, that should be a mission of our lives. So God gives us relationships. And the one relationship he gives us that's probably the primary one is marriage. So that we can have a, a, a place, an incubator, a place to learn how to love so that Jesus is revealed to the world. In closing today, let's ask God to help us to grow in love, to learn how to be better lovers of our spouses and those closest to us. Would you stand with me this morning?